Where do you go when you need a truck for the Farmer Ranch? Number 2 Hauling Truck Sales and Service in Kearney has a lineup of semis and trailers in stock with more on the way. If you're needing to upgrade or add a truck, check with Number 2 Hauling. These guys can also take care of your truck maintenance. Visit 2haulinginc.com or call Number 2 Hauling at 308-338-9097. Again, that number to call, 308-338-9097. Good afternoon. Welcome to the Channel Final Bell on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. No surprise, the WASDI report was a big focus on this market trade today, but so was other factors, including Chinese inflation numbers of last night. And well, let's talk a look at the second half of what I like to call the manure dump on this cattle market. We'll take a look at that and a whole lot more as we have a great discussion coming with Mike Zuzalo. Mike, of course, is with Global Commodity Analytics. And Mike, you and I talked earlier in the day about these WASDI numbers right after they kind of came out and you had a chance to absorb them. A lot of mixed feelings about these numbers. Yeah, I think I'll start, you know, with the for the listener where I think USDA got it right, Susan. And I think that goes back to the U.S. yields. Um, when you look at the split between the Western Corn Belt and the Eastern Corn Belt, uh, soybeans, for instance, Nebraska dropped five bushels versus last month, while Ohio picked up 1.8. And so I, I am in full agreement pretty much with USDA's yield numbers. And in the corn, um, they took Nebraska down six-tenths of a bushel, Kansas down eight-tenths of a bushel versus last month, while they took Illinois and Indiana both up one-and-a-half bushels each. And I think these numbers make sense based upon what clients are telling me and how sloppy and, and wide and big the and how negative the basis is becoming in the eastern corn belt. And it's not just a large crop, it's also a very wet crop. And I'm hearing more and more from clients uh, in that part of the country that elevators are shutting down at 2, 3, 4 o'clock in the afternoon. They just can't take any more because they're drying their way through it at this point. So I think that's where USGA had really a good report number, very valid numbers, and I'm okay with the yield and the production numbers for the most part. It's the demand side of the equation that I continue to think that they need to improve upon, especially in the corn. They did give us an export bump but I'm down around a 1.9 billion bushel carryover versus USDA's 2.1 plus, and it's mainly because I see corn exports growing. USDA does not see it that way as much as me, and part of that is because they topped off the tank when it came to the production for both Russia and Ukraine uh, corn production and and increased both of those countries in terms of exports. That's probably the biggest um, piece of the puzzle that I think we're going to have to reevaluate and maybe they're going to have to come and back off of, especially when it comes to the European wheat and the Baltic uh, corn when it came to the weather markets um, earlier this year, kind of like what we were dealing with. And also when it comes to Argentina and, and uh, Australia and especially India, we did get about a 3 million ton cut in the world production of wheat, but it could have been 10.5 million tons if you would listen to some of the private estimates out there. So that's kind of the quick overview of the grain side of the equation. For the soybeans, I think the, what the negativity of the U.S. numbers were offset by the positive and, and reduction in the stocks-to-use ratios for the world numbers. We went from 5.3% stocks-to-use domestically to 5.9% this month. Uh, but in the world side of the equation, 
we went from 30.2 down to 29.8. So I think the the weather market in the soybean complex, I think, is still very much alive and well if it continues into Thanksgiving. Well, and I thought it was interesting, especially let's look at Kansas quickly, because we're finally getting some state-by-state specific numbers coming out. And they had it uh, on the soybeans at only 26 bushels per acre. And I had a farmer reach out to me and goes, I knew it was bad, but I didn't know it was that bad. Yes, and I think this is where the, the, the smallest part of where the Kansas crop was good or excellent um, happens to be a portion of the state where um, it does add to a lot of the state national average, and that's my area of northeast Kansas. Um, we had bumper yields up here in corn especially, but even beans as well, and that really did bring up the national average. If we had had, had maybe normal or average yields, I think we could have been uh, right there with Nebraska at 20, 21 bushels to the acre. So you've had a chance to kind of digest those numbers. Did you see any uh, red flags or surprises to you in your past experience with these WASDE reports coming out in November? You know, I think the biggest thing that I saw was the the, the production numbers went down, as I said, um, in, in the wheat. They actually went up those 6.3 million tons in the corn globally. And I really have a hard time buying into that. Um, I think that that's going to be less of an issue if the South Americans come in and continue to have these this split weather pattern where it's the worst of the worst in the northern corn belt of Mato Grosso that produces around 40, roughly 40% of the safrina crop, maybe sometimes 50%, and then the southern parts of Brazil where they're having too wet of the situation and are looking at replant. One thing that we got to remember, I think, Susan, is before the report came out, the beans, until Wednesday's trade, the beans had really found the reason to be bought, but the corn was just kind of laying there with the wheat market. So we don't have a lot of premium. And if, in fact, by hitting close to a three-year low today in the corn, I'd say we have no premium whatsoever uh, in the corn as far as the South American weather market. So there are some private estimates out there already that that, uh, would suggest the corn in Brazil is going to be down maybe as much as 10 million tons versus last year. We'll see if the trade doesn't start picking up on that closer to Thanksgiving and Christmas. Do we see, I mean, any changes coming in the overnight trade because of what we saw during the day trade today? I think we could, and I think this is where the Chinese inflation data really matters and and how the stock market here in the United States matters because it seemed to me as the day went on uh, in all the markets except maybe the the cryptocurrency markets, which looked like a safe haven today, that the trade's getting more and more nervous about the Chinese economic situation. And the economic data last night and their inflation numbers, as you'd mentioned at the top of the show, I think their PPI and CPI numbers are the first time they've both been negative together since COVID. And I want to say their manufacturing recession or deflationary numbers that they posted again last night, it's it's about 18 straight months of deflation and recession in the manufacturing sector. So that's why the weekly close, I've, I've said to clients and subscribers all week long this week, it's really key how we close on the week. Folks, we've got a lot more coming up just around the corner as we continue with the channel final bell on the Rural Radio Network. 
Fontenelle Hybrids is combining with Channel and the other nine regional brands to become the new enhanced Channel Seed brand. So what does that mean for you? Well, for starters, a best of both worlds product portfolio as both brands come together in 2025. Also, greater local agronomic support and more innovation and digital tools. Contact your local Fontenelle and Channel Seed professionals today for the best discounts. Read and follow pesticide label directions, grain marketing, and other stewardship practices. KRVN. Welcome back to the channel. Final bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield as we continue our conversation this afternoon with Mike Zuzalo. Mike, of course, is with Global Commodity Analytics and left off talking about the WASI report. And I know that we had talked about it a little bit um, during the 11 o'clock hour today, but what do you see as some base changes or is there some base changes possibly coming because of these numbers? Well, I think there may be, in, in terms of where we're at with reownership strategies, Susan, I think that when I look at the corn specifically, um, we're look at, we were looking for that harvest low. We had made one in the soybeans, and we were waiting on the wheat market, and we were waiting on the yield data from USDA. And I think that's where, as we spoke about at the end of the last section and segment, is I think that the wheat market could find some support here, and it's not – in terrible shape after Thursday's trade, you know, to be down only 10, 8 to 10 cents and, and 20, 25 cents off their major lows, that's not bad given the supply numbers we got today. So if we can close out the week with a, with a kind of a buy signal on the monthly charts, I think the wheat would probably be ready to make a major seasonal low, and then that could follow up with the corn. The, the question I'm going to have um, as we go into next week's trade especially is, does the trade get ahead of me? And instead of going to the wheat low, they go into the corn low because South American weather. But I'm thinking that this jump this week in the grains and soybean-led market rally was a little bit too fast, and, and we should have probably done it around Thanksgiving. So I'm thinking maybe we cool off here, go sideways, wait for information, and then see if we can't get a wheat low, and then pick up the weather market again in the row crops. So do you believe the numbers for Ukraine at this point? I don't. I think the weather pattern, especially in the corn, was too bad. And I think the export numbers going up for Ukraine does not ju- is not justified by what they've gotten out the door and the fact that they just had to shut down their deep sea, uh, deep port, black, black sea port issues um, because of the, the bombings that are continuing to go on. So I, I think it's more likely than not that we'll have to see uh, Ukrainian exports be backed off. And I, I have a sense that um, the, the fighting while we're going into wintertime and, and the trade's probably thinking it's going to die down. I'm kind of a, a, um, a, a what's the term, kind of contrarian on that mindset because I think uh, the, the Russian side of the equation is starting to feel like they maybe can win this thing. Yeah, it is kind of nice to see some export rumblings all taking place as we get towards the holiday. And that's big. And the export curbs that Russia put in uh, on Wednesday was a big reason, along with the Argentine crop being cut, for that big surge to the upside. So as long as we see Russia stay out of the export market, like for Jordan, like for Algeria, I think that's a good thing. All right, we got to switch gears and look at this livestock. I called it the uh, the manure dumping, shall we say, of this cattle market. And boy, we had a nice day on Wednesday. It did not last long today. No, and that that is a great hallmark or footprint of program-related selling where you don't change sentiment. It, it almost looks like the corn and wheat markets of six months ago where the trade is, is, as we've talked about before, Susan, maybe moving away from buying proteins and selling grains as a big uh, uh, major type theme in how they use their trading skills and spreading skills. 
maybe they're backing away from that at this point because the recessionary pressures are building, the debt load issues are building, and the trade's starting to wake up to that more and more. But I would say with that in mind, when you look at today's close in December and February fat cattle, you've got 174 on both contracts, and yet USDA today came in with the Q4 number for fat cattle, cash market 185, and for the first quarter of 2024, uh, 185 as well. So you look at that, and then you look at the fact that the CME feeder index in the cash market is at 237 against a feeder cattle contract on the board of 222 or 224. Um, you're looking at a situation where I think that you've got plenty of discount in this market. And, and as I said in the first segment, I may need to put some floors in on the short term, but I may actually turn around and try and reown some cattle here next week, depending on how these charts look. But it is nice to see at least a positive glimpse into this hog market. Yeah, and that's where the inflation data maybe we're, we're finally through the worst of the worst and when it comes to China. Their inflation data was bad enough. Pork indeed did lead their overall consumer prices lower, um, but maybe we've priced a lot of that in at this point. So that is a major element. I'm glad you brought that up because the idea of buying cattle and selling hogs may be something that the trade will want to look at again uh, unless the the hog market wants to look like maybe it's starting to find its support on its own. I think that December hogs and pigs report could be one of those major reports that maybe puts in a major low either right before or right after. So as we get ready to wrap this up, what's the one thing we should be looking for towards weekend? Well, the big thing to keep in mind in the big picture is I think the sell and defend model is really still a good way to go when it comes to the Middle East, when it comes to these discounts and the uh, futures versus the cash markets for cattle, when it comes to the supply-demand report we just saw for wheat and corn, sell the cash or, or sell some futures and, and reown it when you need to. And I think that's where, especially in the soybeans and, and previously in the cattle, the sell and defend model I think can work I think very well in 2024 as a whole because we don't know when that next big move up. And, and these moves have been getting bigger, it seems. All right. What's the best way for folks to get a hold of you? Globalcomresearch.com, globalcom with two M's, research.com. All right, that is today's Channel Final Bell being brought to you by Channel Seed and your local Channel Seed professional on the Rural Radio Network.